The Murder Minute podcast contains depictions of real-life true crime stories. Some details may be disturbing, and listener discretion is advised. This is Murder Minute. I'm your host, Mrs. Smitty, and today is Monday, October 4th, 2021. Today on Murder Minute, I'm bringing you the story of a deadly string of attacks that terrorized the D.C. metro area for three agonizing weeks in 2002. But first, your true crime headlines. The city of Loveland, Colorado has agreed to pay a $3 million settlement to a 74-year-old woman with dementia who was thrown to the ground by police officers after she was suspected of shoplifting. The incident occurred in June of 2020, when Walmart employees called police to report that a woman had walked out of the store without paying for her items, valued at less than $14. When police approached the woman, 74-year-old Karen Garner, they flung her to the ground, dislocating her shoulder and breaking her arm. She did not receive medical attention for her injuries for six hours after the incident took place. The two officers who arrested Garner both resigned, as did the community service officer who booked her and allegedly denied her medical care. Two of those officers are now facing criminal charges stemming from the arrest, which was captured on their body-worn cameras. Former officer Austin Hopp is facing assault charges, and former officer Daria Jalali is charged with failing to intervene or report a case of excessive force. After the settlement was reached, Garner's daughter stated that some of the money will be used to pay for the -the round-the-clock dementia care that her mother requires. Garner's attorney stated at a news briefing that if the city's chief of police resigns within the next month, she'll donate $50,000 to the Alzheimer or dementia charity of his choice. A northern Kentucky man has received eight consecutive life sentences for eight felony counts, including the rape and sodomy of two children under the age of 12. 31-year-old Joshua Turner was arrested in September of 2020 after his girlfriend, who had suspected him of lying, looked through his phone one night while he slept. On his phone, she found videos that Turner had taken of him molesting the two girls, aged 7 and 12 at the time. She hid the phone from him, and turned it over to police the next day. Turner stood trial in July of 2021, and it took a jury less than 30 minutes of deliberations to find him guilty. The same jury recommended that he receive eight consecutive life sentences for his crimes. The judge agreed, handing down the sentence last week. In Florence, Kentucky, a female escort shot another female escort during an altercation inside their client's apartment. Police responding to the scene of a shooting at the Charleston Pines apartments learned that the unnamed male had hired both women. At some point, a dispute between the three of them led to the altercation, during which one of the women, 21-year-old Brooke Lichtfield, fired a shot at the man. The shot missed and instead hit the other escort, who suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Lichtfield was arrested and charged with first-degree assault, first-degree wanton endangerment, and robbery. 
The man and the other escort were both charged with prostitution, according to police. For more true crime headlines, follow me on Instagram at Murder Minute and on TikTok at True Crime Headlines. There you can find updates on headlines I've covered in previous episodes, as well as bonus headlines that are breaking throughout the week. After this break, I'll be back with this week's main story. Mrs. Smitty here. Did you know that cats are carnivores that need lots of meat? I didn't know that leading cat food brands are often filled with fillers, grains, and very little protein. That's why I switched to Cat Person Cat Food. It's everything my cat needs to stay happy and healthy. High quality, high protein meals delivered right to my door. And they'll do the same for you. If you order your starter box today, I've arranged for Cat Person to provide an exclusive offer of nearly 50% off just for my listeners. Cat Person is protein packed, 50% more than industry standards, and only uses wholesome ingredients. The food is grain-free and low-carb, so there's no room for the unnecessary fillers you may find in other brands that can cause digestive problems for your kitty. Cat Person delivers delicious, nutritious, and high-quality cat food right to your door. You'll never run out or have to settle for what's in stock at your local store. The meal plans are fully customized for your cat and perfect for cats of all ages. There are 16 easy-to-serve wet food varieties and three different dry foods, so you'll be sure to find the combinations your cat will love. My cat loves the turkey and chicken wet food and the turkey and duck dry food. They always ship for free with the meal plan. You won't believe all that's included in your starter box. Listen to this. You get 10 cups of wet food, one two-pound bag of dry food, plus an entire set of serving spoons. I'm going to do that again. Listen to this. You won't believe all that's included in your starter box. Listen to this. 10 cups of wet food, one two pound bag of dry food, plus an entire set of serving spoons, silicone lids, and a scooper. And Cat Person offers 30 day money back guarantee on your custom plan. If your cat doesn't love Cat Person, no questions asked. We opened the box and my cat tried the turkey and chicken wet food and could not get enough. Uh, went looking for the lid, the can, uh, just absolutely devoured it. Uh, His coat looks so shiny and wonderful already after just about a week on the food. Um, And, you know, he he just seems to have so much more energy. So uh, he's a big fan. And so am I. It's such a great deal. Uh, You and your cat are going to love Cat Person as much as we do. Go to catperson.com slash murder minute and use code MURDERMINUTE to save nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. That's catperson.com slash MURDERMINUTE, code MURDERMINUTE, and get nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. One more time, it's catperson.com slash MURDERMINUTE, and use the code MURDERMINUTE. On October 4th, 2002, residents of the DC metro area woke up to a nightmare. Over the preceding days, a series of random shootings had left six people dead and the terror was just beginning. 
The nightmare began on the evening of October 2nd, 2002, when a bullet shattered the window of a craft store in Aspen Hill, Maryland. The shot narrowly missed a cashier, and nobody inside the store was injured. Within an hour of that shooting, and less than four miles away, a 55-year-old man was shot and killed while walking across a parking lot in Wheaton, Maryland. The two incidents were not immediately recognized as being connected to one another, but on the following morning, four more people would be felled by the sniper's bullets before lunchtime. In Rockville, Maryland, a 39-year-old man was shot and killed while mowing the grass at the Fitzgerald Auto Mall at 7.42 a.m. Just about 30 minutes later and five miles away, a 54-year-old taxi driver was shot and killed while filling his gas tank at a mobile station in Aspen Hill. 25 minutes after that, a 34-year-old woman was shot and killed while sitting on a bus bench in Silver Spring, Maryland, about eight miles from the previous attack. Five miles from Silver Spring, just before 10 a.m., the sniper would claim another victim, the fourth one that morning. This time, a 25-year-old woman who was vacuuming her minivan at a Shell station. Later that day, around 9.20 p.m., a 72-year-old man was shot in the chest while crossing the street in Washington, D.C. He would be the sniper's fifth and final victim of that day. In each of these shootings, the victim had been struck by a single bullet fired from some distance away. After the five attacks in a single day, police realized that these killings were indeed linked and a task force was assembled to track down the sniper. The next day, October 4th, the sniper struck again, shooting a 43-year-old woman as she loaded her bags into her car in the parking lot of a Michael's Craft store in Fredericksburg, Virginia. The bullet tore through her body, striking her liver, a lung, and her diaphragm, and cracking several ribs before it exited. She would spend four days in the hospital, but eventually recovered from her injuries. Three days later, in Bowie, Maryland, a 13-year-old boy was struck with a sniper's bullet in front of Benjamin Tasker Middle School. He was critically injured and spent several weeks in the hospital with severe organ damage. He would be the sniper's youngest victim. Nearby the scene of this shooting, police would find a spent shell casing and a tarot card with a message scrawled on the back. Call me God. The randomness of the attacks terrified local residents and brought the region to a standstill. Schools in Montgomery County and the District of Columbia went on lockdown with no outdoor gym class, no outdoor recess, and terrified citizens took every possible precaution to avoid being out in the open. Several of the shootings had taken place in parking lots or at gas stations, leading many people to take cover behind their cars while pumping gas and to avoid walking through open parking lots. Nobody knew when or where the sniper might strike next. The attacks continued. On October 9th, a 53-year-old man was killed at a gas station in Manassas, Virginia. Then two days later, a 53-year-old man was killed at a gas station 
in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Three days later, a 47-year-old FBI analyst was killed as she loaded her purchases into her car in a Home Depot parking lot in Falls Church, Virginia. As in previous attacks, all three shooting victims were killed after being struck by a single bullet fired from some distance. The next shooting would take place outside of a Ponderosa Steakhouse in Ashland, Virginia. The victim, a 37-year-old man, was wounded in the attack. Police investigating the scene found a four-page letter from the sniper tacked to a nearby tree. In the note, the sniper expressed frustration that calls they had made to a tip line weren't being taken seriously. They went on to threaten that if they were not paid the $10 million they were demanding, the killings would continue. The letter would cause police to take a closer look at the calls that had come into the tip line, and it turned out that one of those tips would break the case wide open. It turned out that there was a priest in Ashland, Virginia, who had received a call from the sniper on October 17th. During that call, the sniper claimed responsibility for an unsolved shooting at a liquor store in Montgomery, Alabama, which had occurred on September 21st. In that shooting, a woman was killed and another was seriously injured. Fingerprint evidence from that crime scene identified the suspect as a teenager from Jamaica named Lee Boyd Malvo. Malvo's fingerprints were a match to the bullet found at the scene of the shooting outside the middle school. After investigating Malvo's background, police found a link between Malvo and a man named John Allen Mohammed, an army veteran who had earned an expert rifleman's badge while in the military. Mohammed's ex-wife, Mildred, had a restraining order against him for alleged abuse that occurred during their marriage. Mildred and their three children lived in Clinton, Maryland, which neighbors Montgomery County. Motor vehicle records showed that Mohammed might be driving a blue Chevrolet Caprice, and information about the vehicle was released to the public on October 23rd. Within hours of that press release, a citizen called in a tip about two men sleeping in a blue Chevy Caprice at a rest stop in Myersville, Maryland. Police closed in on the vehicle and arrested both men around 3.30 a.m. on October 24, 2002. Inside the vehicle, they found a mountain of evidence, including a single glove that matched one found at the scene of one of the sniper attacks, walkie-talkies, earplugs, a GPS system, and a Bushmaster rifle that would later be identified as the weapon that was used in the killings. Though Malvo and Mohammed were captured in Maryland and most of the shootings had taken place in Maryland, then Attorney General John Ashcroft reassigned the case from Maryland to Prince William County, Virginia, where it was believed that there was a greater likelihood of a death sentence. Virginia also allowed for death sentences to be imposed on juveniles, and Malvo was just 17 at the time of the crimes. In October of 2003, John Elid Mohammed stood trial in Virginia for the killing of Dean Myers, who had been shot and killed at a gas station in Manassas, Virginia on October 9, 2002. Mohammed was charged with murder, terrorism, conspiracy, 
and the illegal use of a firearm, and he faced a possible death sentence. He was permitted to represent himself at the trial, but switched back to having legal representation after his opening arguments. Prosecutors called more than 130 witnesses and introduced more than 400 pieces of evidence at Mohammed's trial. They showed the jury how the Chevy Caprice had been modified with a panel cut out to access the trunk through the back seat and hole drilled above the license plate, creating a sniper's den in the trunk of the car. Defense attorneys argued that there was no direct evidence identifying Mohammed as the shooter, but jurors found that Mohammed was guilty of all four counts against him and unanimously recommended a death sentence. On March 9, 2004, a Virginia judge sentenced John Allen Mohammed to death. Mohammed stood trial in Maryland in 2006, again choosing to represent himself. Though he had already been convicted and sentenced to death in Virginia, the trial in Maryland was regarded as a sort of insurance policy, ensuring that if for some reason his conviction in Virginia was overturned, he would still remain behind bars. Lee Boyd Malvo took the stand at Mohammed's trial in Maryland after he himself had pled guilty and been sentenced to life in prison for each of the six murders for which Mohammed was now being tried. On the stand, Malvo described the killings in great detail and laid out the planning that had gone into the attacks. Mohammed was also found guilty at this trial, receiving six consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Though Malvo and Mohammed had been linked to murders in several other states, none of those states chose to bring their cases to trial as Mohammed had already been sentenced to death in Virginia. On November 10, 2009, John Allen Mohammed was executed by lethal injection at the Greensville Correctional Center in Virginia. He was cremated and his remains were given to his son. He made no final statement before his execution. Lee Boyd Malvo received four life sentences without parole in Virginia and an additional six life sentences without parole in Maryland. Because of legislative changes in Virginia since his conviction, he could be eligible for parole after next year. If he were to be paroled in Virginia, he would be sent to Maryland to serve his sentences there, for which he has requested resentencing. For a live discussion of this week's episode, join me tomorrow, October 5th, at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Stereo app. We'll talk about this week's true crime headlines, details from our main story, and updates on previous week's headlines. Click the link in the episode description to download the Stereo app and come join in the discussion. For even more true crime stories, download the Murder Minute app from the App Store or Google Play Store today. To connect with me on social media, find me on Instagram at Murder Minute and on TikTok at True Crime Headlines. Until next week, I'm Mrs. Smitty, and this has been your Murder Minute.